0: It's Wednesday, July sixteenth. Welcome to Market I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser. Thanks for being here, man. Yes, sir. We got a lot on the plate today. We've got retail. We've got a new job for Alan Mulally, and we've got Fox trying to buy Time Warner. We'll get to all of those <laughs> in a second. But it is earnings season. Let's talk about Yahoo. Yahoo's second quarter profits down from a year ago, and Let's hold off on the Alibaba stuff for a minute. Let's just look at this quarter. And I think if you're a shareholder or a prospective shareholder of Yahoo, you have to be troubled about the drop in display advertising, which was about 7%, against the backdrop of an entire display advertising market that is expanding. Yep, it is expanding. So the overall market's expanding, and yet Yahoo is dropping. And that's there, I mean, when you look at... The bread
1: and butter of their business. This is what it is. It is, and you know, we've we've been calling this uh, quarter in and quarter out here uh, on Market Foolery in, in what we're looking for from Yahoo. The signs of success, the proof that the the strategy is working, will be seen in organic top line revenue growth, and, and they just simply aren't witnessing any. Uh, in fact, I think that the top line was actually down slightly from from a year ago, uh, and you know that that just that basically is what indicates you know the demand. For their services, and, and you're right. When there are so many, it's, this market is expanding. We have more channels now than ever before that are trying to capture our attention between Yahoo, Google, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and, and everything else in between. Um, I mean, it, it's a very competitive environment out there, no question. And Yahoo does have some, I think, some compelling properties. I mean, th- their finance section, I think, is solid. Sports is, is good. it's just they can't seem to really capitalize on on. Taking that to the next level, and maybe you know, I mean, Marissa Meyer, she continues to say that this is just something that's going to continue to take some time. Maybe it will, um, but again, I mean, every quarter that goes by that we don't see, you know, that that top line trending up, it's going to give investors more pause. And I think now more than ever, really, Yahoo stock price is being propped up uh, by by that Alibaba stake.
0: We're now entering year three of Marissa Meyer as CEO at Yahoo. I really think the pressure is on now because yeah. in this next quarter, Alibaba is going to go public. One bit of good news for Yahoo shareholders is the number of shares of Alibaba that Yahoo was required to sell at, at the IPO has been reduced. So they they will the, the net result being they're going to have a bigger stake in Alibaba as a public company than yeah. they previously were going to have. But I think that. She's now, as CEO, entering this territory where Alibaba is almost pushed to the side, where increasingly analysts are focused on, yeah, yeah, we know that. We know you're getting a chunk of money from that. But in part, due to the success she has had in the last two years, where she has made, she's improved the corporate culture, she's made Yahoo more relevant than it was certainly when she walked in the door. But I think the combination of factors mean
1: that the heat's really on for year three. It is. I mean, a couple of things there. I mean, I, I agree with you totally. She's done a great job of, of bringing Yahoo back to sort of relevancy. I mean, it's making headlines, and people were, were certainly very excited about it when she, when she took the reins. Uh, the sentiment out there, I think, is overwhelmingly negative on this quarter. I mean, it seems like a lot of the pundits are out there kind of you know, just saying it was another quarter of excuses. I mean, I'm I'm not going to go that far. I mean, I'm I'm willing to you know cut a little slack there. I mean, I'm, I'm not pretending this is a job that anyone can do. I don't think it's very easy, but but I do think you know the Al- Alibaba steak thing that that's interesting because. You know they're not going to sell quite as many shares. That means they're going to hang on to somewhere in the neighborhood around four billion dollars in that investment interest. But we've talked about this before, in that when they unload that Alibaba stake, that's all fine and dandy. You get all that. You get you hit the jackpot there. But then what do you do with that money?
0: Well, they've it, so the, I think it was the CFO. It was one of the executives, but I'm pretty sure it was the CFO of Yahoo said they're going to take the after tax profits. Mm-hmm. And at least half of that is going to get returned to shareholders, presumably right. in a one-time dividend or, or something like that. So exactly. again, that's also good news if you're a shareholder.
1: Yeah, that's great, and that's again. But you have to look at the stock price today and say, I mean, that that has to reflect at least you know that that strategy there, so that when that occurs. I mean, are they going to drop it like a hot potato? I mean, are they going to just move on? I think chances are probably pretty good they will. I mean, it's like, um, I mean, after that, you know, the market continually looks forward. I mean, it's a forward looking mechanism. After that Alibaba stake is settled, you know, what then? Because, I mean, we've seen them make some acquisitions, uh, but really, you know, we can't say that they've done a whole heck of a lot of those acquisitions other than maybe buy some, you know, potential competitors and then just shut them down completely.
0: The most troubling thing I saw, again, looking forward, the most troubling thing I saw was a quote in the Wall Street Journal from, not a Wall Street analyst, but from someone from the advertising world, talking about how Yahoo is not, in this guy's mind, is not in the category of must buys. So, Mm -hmm. if you're a consumer goods or services company and you've got a big advertising budget, when you're looking online, Facebook and Twitter are much more likely in the well. We have to make an ad spend there. Yahoo isn't quite there, and you you touched on probably their two strongest properties, finance and sports. And so, depending on who you're trying to target, maybe it is in that must buy category. But broadly for the site, the pop culture stuff. Entertainment, that sort of thing. It's it, they're not where they need to be.
1: They're not where they need where they need to be. And I think you're right there. You, if you're looking sort of a prioritization, there, Yahoo is going to be lower on that on that uh, on that priority list than, than your Facebooks and and Twitters and, and even LinkedIn to an extent. But I mean, yesterday I was looking at just some amazing numbers they came out here. This ESPN report uh, that was talking about the month of June and the traffic that they're witnessing via mobile. Uh, channels uh, it was it was the number here in June ESPN reached 80.7 million unique users via computers, smartphones and tablets that was a new record up 50, 56% from a year ago and so when you when you talk about sports i mean i think you see ESPN for example they they see this tremendous opportunity out there in the mobile channel with twitter and facebook being the primary you know locations there that's traffic that's not going to yahoo you know and so i think that they need to really figure out a way uh to to bring eyeballs over over to their to their side but you know it's a lot easier said than done
0: it is although on the espn when you think about what happened in june you have the nba finals you have you know the the lead up to the world cup so yeah yep I, my hunch is that's going to drop but still that's 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 a great month to have.
1: Right. No no question there. But I, th- I think it also lends itself to, you know, moving forward. I mean, every month in, month out, what we see is sort of the real-time dynamic that plays out with Twitter and even Facebook. They are certainly capitalizing on that, growing those user bases, keeping those eyeballs coming back for more. And you're going to see, consequently, those advertising dollars uh, going their way, I think.
0: On Monday, we talked about Michael Kors, you, uh, relative to Coach, and you sounded a cautious note about Michael Kors and the overall business. On Tuesday, several Wall Street firms issued notes about Michael Kors that were also cautious in nature. Whether they listened to market foolery, I have no idea. I'm I'm going
1: with that. Uh, I'm, I'm go with that. Uh,
0: but doing? they lowered their price targets. Uh, this was several different firms. Lowering their price targets on Michael Kors... Uh, citing the high level of discounts
1: this is right what you were talking about on monday yeah it's coach part 2 right it's uh i mean it just it's cut and dry really i mean the thing is you know the the, the picture that we received on twitter uh from shooter f uh, f16 i think was very telling because when you see outlet mall outlet in las Mall's, vegas exactly It's an outlet mall with a coach store on one side and a core store on the other and, and it just begs the question of how how high end can you be if you have you know, an outlet store. I mean, there, there is a difference there, and so I think that, uh, you know, when when you see the discounting that Coors is, is resorting to, and and that's what part of this downgrade was based on, uh, you have to start wondering exactly uh, what we've been wondering with Coach for the past you know year and a half is they're they're trying to figure out a way to gin up more traffic, and, and the way to do that is to really offer uh, discounting, coupons, sales, whatever it may be. Um, and then yeah, I thought it was interesting. that The report there even went a little bit further to talk about the search traffic uh, for cords was even down significantly over over the year ago. And so it it all just again it goes back to just because one retailer is is having some trouble, you know, at, at the at the expense of another's success, um, it, it doesn't mean that makes the other you know the winner. I mean, because really in retail it is a very fickle game and and. They can go down very quickly, um, especially when they are not quite as identifiable as maybe they once were. And I mean, I'll just use Tiffany as the example there. I mean, Tiffany is one that that's I think truly a luxury brand. That is not a brand where you're going to see them resorting to those fire sales, coupons, discounts, uh, outlet malls. I mean, that's just not going to happen. You're going to take you know the bad times with the good. You buy when when the pessimism is strongest, uh, and, and then you hang on uh, hang on when when that you know when the economic conditions improve and, and they. Maintain that pricing
0: power. I know we just started this earnings season, but I'm I, I had already been looking forward to the fall earnings season with Coach because we've been talking for a while now about that's when the the, the new line the new designer line of Coach stuff is going to come out. I'm, yeah. I'm curious to see how that does. Now I'm adding Michael Kors to that list because yeah. I mean, I, again when they when you when you read these notes from the Wall Street firms and they're and they are being very specific uh, that this is concern. About the summer, yeah, and so if that really plays out the
1: way some are worried, we're absolutely going to see that in the fall. Yeah, and you know I, I i hope I hope we don't see sort of this piling on into sort of the retail funk excuse because I think we we all had to let the kind of weather from last quarter sort of play out about midway through earnings season before we started lending it any credence. Uh, the retail funk, I think, is a little bit tougher to to you know acknowledge. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I we'll see a lot more here in the coming three weeks. Um, but I suspect if there is any weakness seen whatsoever um, in any of these, these retail companies, the market is going to uh, leave them very quickly.
0: On July 1st, Alan Mulally stepped down as the CEO of Ford Motor Company, and it took him all of two weeks to find a new job. He is joining Google's board of directors. First of all, you know that's, that's great. That's, you know congrats. Not that I think Alan Mulally was hurting for money, no. but I, I'm guessing being a member of Google's Board of Directors is a nice gig. But what, if anything, should we read into the, this vis-a-vis the driverless car? He's on the hey. audit committee, but don't – I mean, come on. He's Alan Mulally. Yeah, he led Ford Motor Company out of the wilderness. You're yeah. telling me that at the next board meeting, Larry Page isn't going to pull him aside and say, "So listen, uh, if you're in town for another day or so, <laughs> could, you, could you just uh, just check
1: in on the driverless car people and just share your two cents?" So I'm sure that I'm sure that that's going to be something that, that Mr. Malali will will enjoy being a part of in the in the you know in the coming years. I the storyline I'm a little bit more interested in here is I wonder if something I wonder if maybe Microsoft didn't make an offer. Uh, you know, for him to join their board at some point. I mean, I wonder if there was a choice that—that's right, because he you know? was
0: he was being talked up as potential successor to Steve Ballmer.
1: Exactly. I mean, you know, with the main reason why—I uh, mean, I, I, we know at least the main reason why he was not, you know, accepting another CEO gig is he didn't really feel, you know, the need to do that. But this, you know, Google uh, offer is is right in line with his desire to still serve, and so this is an attractive offer for him because you know, I mean, being a board member, you. you it's it's not the same as being part of the executive team. I mean, you don't have the same responsibilities. You get a little bit more free time, and you still get paid quite nicely. Uh, and I mean, for Google, this is great. I mean, you know, I would call him kind of a renaissance man. I mean, he's uh, history at Boeing and history at Ford, successful in, in uh, you know both efforts. And I think he uh, he can certainly bring a new, fresh perspective to Google. I think the last time they actually brought someone new onto their board was back in two thousand and five. Um, You know, for me, again, I just I think it's something that I would be interested to see, interested to know if there was an offer from Microsoft and if he was making a choice between one or the other. Because there there was some speculation if he if he wasn't going to be you know an executive at Microsoft, would he be joining their board at some point? And um, so who knows? But yeah, I mean, I I think this is. I mean, I can tell you, just I mean, having the opportunity to interview him a few years back at the auto show uh, was a real thrill for me. He's one of those guys that when you speak with him. He's very captivating. He's an optimistic guy. He's he's motivational, and you know he is a guy that can really help keep a company's culture in line. And I think that's always you know we we didn't see him taking the executive position at Microsoft because really that's not what Microsoft needed as much as uh, you know sort of the relevant products is uh, very good about keeping that culture in line, turning the culture of a company around. We talk about that all the time here, uh, so I think it's a great move for Google. I'm very happy for Alan Malali.
0: Did you ever see the video from uh, that our colleague John Rosevier did from the most recent auto show where he's getting ready to interview Alan Malali? He's waiting for Malali co- to to come up, and Malali comes from basically John's back, and just it's it's just a it's it's a wonderfully human moment because Rosevier is just sort of startled. But it's also like, uh, Malali, you know, playing a little bit of a prank on John Rosevere. It's it's kind of great.
1: puts his pants on (laughs) one leg at a time, just like the rest of us.
0: Uh, Before we get to our final story, I should mention, we're hiring here at The Motley Fool. And if you're interested, we have an expanding list of jobs posted on our culture blog, which is culture.fool.com. That's Mm culture.fool.com. We're looking for financial planners, we're hiring in tech, we're hiring in marketing. We have a new uh, uh, editor-analyst development program that we're doing on fool.com. So, uh, if you're looking, or you know someone who's looking, or someone who might be interested, please point them to our uh, job site, which is just at culture.fool.com, because... It'll change your life. We're looking for more fools. Rupert Murdoch and his colleagues at Fox have made an $80 billion bid to buy Time Warner. Time Warner rejected the bid. If you're thinking about this from the standpoint of the stock price, it was a cash and stock deal worth $85 a share. Again, Time Warner rejected it. Yep. Reports are Murdoch is determined <laughs> to buy Time Warner. Some people are throwing out $100 a share as as a potential price. What, what is going on here? This is... I, I, I'm not, I'm not betting against Rupert Murdoch, and I'm mm-hmm. not questioning the reports of his desire to own Time Warner, but this seems massive. And having lived through and vividly remember the AOL-Time Warner merger and how wonderfully that worked out, wonderfully, in air quotes <laughs> – um,
1: uh, I, I'm I'm a little surprised by this. Well, I mean, they're both very strong companies, right? I mean, they have wonderful properties uh, associated with with them both. I mean, Fox, you know, has all sorts of if, what is it? Uh, FX, the channel FX. I mean, obviously yeah. Fox News and Fox Sports, and then I mean, you look on the Time Warner side with HBO and properties like that. So I mean, they 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 both have wonderful properties t- together. On the surface, it seems like wow, that would be a pretty phenomenal. Uh, media empire so to speak but i don't think that bigger necessarily means better in every case i mean honestly like i i, I don't think I, this doesn't make sense to me if these two join forces i mean this is like I mean, this is like a modern-day reality TV version of like Hannity and Combs. I mean, these two guys are opposite ends of the spectrum, right? I mean, Bukes and, and Murdoch don't don't see eye to eye politically. I can't imagine that this would be a seamless, you know, leadership transition. and And so, I just don't see why it would be something that would that would work out uh, very well. I just don't think Bukes really believes that at any cost. Uh, it, it would be a smart move. Uh, you know, again, he has to worry about his shareholders at some point, so if Murdoch continues just to up that offer, you know, who knows what happens at that point, because he does have, you, you know, Bukes does have a duty, at least, to the to shareholders to, to look at this from every angle and make the best decision.
0: And when you think about regulatory approval, there's there's no one who believes that if this merger were to happen, or this acquisition were to happen, there's no one who believes that CNN remains a part of that empire. <laughs> there's no one who believes that one company would own two of the major cable news channels. So, uh, let's just assume that CNN gets divested, sold off to well, someone else. Well, I think else.
1: that that was the, this, they were saying that like, if that would if this to. went through, he said CNN would be, would be sold off as a part of this deal. Because but, you're right, there can't, you you couldn't really maintain both of those and maintain a, a terrible amount of credibility, I don't think.
0: I hear everything you're saying about the questions you're raising about, can this work? And yet, when you just look at the market share, when it comes to television programming, when it comes to the movie industry... Then I think, as a shareholder of Fox or a potential shareholder, I think you look at that, and that's where your eyes start to light up. Like, holy cow! One company could have this significant chunk, and if you're Disney,
1: I was just going to say Disney's got to be a little bit scared. If of you're that. Disney,
0: you're sort of. Saying, wait a minute, we're, th- this isn't going to happen, is it?
1: Well, I mean, I think that I think that you know, when you look at something like this, content. Ultimately, we always say content is king, and ultimately, that's what that's what brings people to your to the devices or the TVs. And and I think in this case, competition is a good thing. I mean, you want to have you want to have these these uh, entities. You know, they want you want you want them to have the desire to, to get our eyes right and so to do that they're going to compete to produce the best content and i mean we've seen just an unbelievable uh, sort of rebirth in television here in the past 5 years i mean it's just been an unbelievable time to be a tv lover because i mean the shows now are just uh, i mean just phenomenal and and you're getting everywhere from hbo to fx and everywhere in between tnt and so I, I like to think that the separation there encourages that competition and encourages you know that great content to keep coming out uh, and, and again, I mean you, you you combine them together. I think number one, you have antitrust issues. Uh, and then you know how how does that play out on something like like a, a Disney uh, which which owns obviously ESPN and ABC as well. So I it just to me I, I think they make they make more sense separately. Um, I, I just think it'd be a leadership nightmare getting these two guys in the same room for any you know extended period of time. But again I mean if he, if, if Rupert decides to up this offer and continue to pursue this, I mean at some point, uh, it has to be acknowledged um, as as how it would play out on shareholders, because you know Bukes does have that responsibility.
0: Several of my friends on Facebook have been posting things about finishing watching a t- uh, some TV series and saying, "I'm I'm looking for recommendations of a, a new series to watch." That sort of thing. So whether it's yeah. HBO or FX or, or something else, do you have a? A recommendation for listeners in terms of hey, if you're looking for a show, check this out. If you're look if you're looking for something to binge watch this summer,
1: hmm. Well, so I, you know, I don't, I don't really do a lot of binge watching. I there there is a lot out there. I mean, if you're an HBO uh, subscriber, I think that new uh, series Silicon Valley was really good. It was very digestible, only thirty minute episodes. Um, and there were only ex- there were only eight episodes, weren't yeah? There? I think there were only eight episodes. You can knock that out in a day. Yeah, you could. You could. <laughs> Uh the new the new uh HBO series, uh, the leftovers is is pretty interesting. Um I'm still not one hundred percent sure on that one. I'm really excited for it. You're
0: Anarchy. not one hundred percent sure if you like it or, not, or, or yeah, what it's about. I'm
1: just not one hundred percent sure how long they can they can go with it. so I'm um, I'm on the fence about it still. It's very well made and well casted. It's just it's uh it's it's pretty out there. Um but I'm I'm looking forward to this fall, the final season of Sons of Anarchy. It's pretty heavy. I mean, if you, if you have a weak stomach, you probably don't really want to watch it, or just you know, send the kids to bed before you do turn it on. But, but I think that'll be a fun one to watch watch play out. Plan accordingly. How
0: about you? Uh, I, I I've been telling people about Silicon Valley. Yeah. I think I think that's just a it's a fun series. It's a smart series. And it like is. I said, it, because I, people will recommend things to me, and as someone who is married and has three children. Mm-hmm. My first reaction is, well, wait a minute. How how much time is this going to take? Yeah. So so <laughs> I, everyone who says Game of Thrones is amazing, yeah, I believe them. Yep. But now, if I want to start watching Game of Thrones, that's four seasons. Whereas Silicon Valley, it's just they've just done one season, half hour episodes. You can knock it out. Veep is another one. Yeah. Where I, the, you know, again, half hour comedies. It's a little lighter.
1: That's what I'm running into with Boardwalk Empire. I mean, I'm in the middle of like the second season. It's just every episode, it requires like you have to be totally emotionally invested <laughs> to to be able to deal with it. And, and I, I mean, I don't understand anybody can binge watch any of those shows. But yeah, I mean, they're going into the fifth season. I'm not going to finish that thing before I'm fifty. <laughs> All
0: right, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.